MySpace went out, you know, Zanga went out. You don't want to be the first to market. You want to be at least second because all the pioneers are the ones laying face down in the dirt with the arrows in their back. They're pioneering social media on. They're essentially turning the influencers into stocks. Second Raw and Relentless episode in the new house, but first in the new studio. And I think I like the new studio. If you are one of the viewers who is watching this right now, let us know what you think of the new studio. We're still adding a few things in, but um, it's all set up and we actually have an exciting guest coming on later this week as well. We've been talking about this dude for a while uh, and he is the what I thought was a portal expert and he researches portal events. Um, but he sent me like a little promo picture and it also had a picture of Bigfoot. And I'm kind of curious because I'll be honest, I'm a very skeptical person when it comes to Bigfoot myself. Um, because I feel like it just doesn't get my rocks off the same way that UFOs do. What, what would it take for you to like actually see something and then say like, okay, like at least give you like that 1% of Okay, maybe there's some validity to it. To Bigfoot? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm curious to see what this guy's vibe is. You know, if he's a if he's a normal dude who I I, I like, I'm gonna try to read him, and if I can tell that he's like just a little off the rocker, that'll make me not really take a lot of what he says with a lot of weight. Maybe potentially, we'll see. I'll just have to feel out the vibe. You know. Uh Okay, so it's just basically how he carries himself and how he brings forth like the yeah, evidence. Yeah, but then also the logic of the evidence. It has to connect, right? And I think a lot of people, um, I was trying to work on you, work on this with you, is like study the structure of how to make an argument. If A plus, if if C, or wait, it's something like a, if A plus B equals C, then if A and B happen, then C must be true or something like that. Like it's the logic the the it's web behind the logic right essentially it's like one step if there's one step here and then there's another step there there yeah. must be another step here yeah so it's like are there going to be holes in his logic is the basic point i was trying to get at um because i'll be honest i've only seen one documentary on amazon prime that was talking about the the ufo bigfoot connection and i remember he said he doesn't know much about ufos he he or maybe he does but it's not like his area of expertise um he was doing more portal events uh specifically related to i believe what was it the um, skinwalker ranch and there was another one oh skinwalker ranch and I, I can't remember the other one yeah uh so anyways um yeah i don't think he he was too big into ufos but um it, it's it might be connected to maybe just just because like we got introduced to this guy through uh stacy Wright. yeah mufon leader i don't know what are your thoughts on ufo or not ufos bigfoot, bigfoot. yeah that one's a little bit more sketchy because i feel like every single video of or like photograph or like bigfoot stuff i don't know it just doesn't seem to to fit and it wouldn't make sense like the the pictures they they're so blurry it's like how could you realistically call that evidence yeah because it could just be a man in the suit and just Maybe this is like why I don't really doesn't get my rocks off is because even if it, if Bigfoot is real, I'm just like, so what? <laughs> Who cares? It's like a big ass monkey in the woods. What? So what? <laughs> it's just another animal. 
Like, what's the what's the big deal? You know, and we've only found one or two of them. I guess that's kind of like people are curious about it. But I'll be honest, I'm more curious about, um, I don't know, Bitcoin at this moment than I am about Bigfoot. Because uh, I feel like, I don't know, unless there's something paranormal, it just doesn't really excite me. You know, because if it's if it's easily explainable and it's logical, I'm just like, okay, it's just the world I live in. You know, what about the Loch Ness monster? Monster. Um. I personally don't believe the Loch Ness Monster is real because it's all based off of one photo that was taken once. A log? Uh, and it was a log. <laughs> and I, I just don't understand why people... Like, obviously, it's like, oh, my God, it looks like a, a fucking dinosaur sticking its neck out of the water. It's the Loch Ness Monster. Great. Who cares? <laughs> you know, if aliens are visiting here from another planet... And the UFO, uh, another thing of like a pyramid-shaped UFO was, was just confirmed like yesterday or today. I'm going to be more excited about that because that's pretty, I mean, that is the biggest question. Other than like, who are you going to marry? And are you going to be able to reproduce into the next generation? It's like, are we alone in the universe? That is number one question. I don't give a shit if Bigfoot's real, be honest, right? But here's why I think this is um, an interesting conversation. At least to some degree, I think that people who are really into the Bigfoot phenomenon are also, um, you know, I think there's a lot of intriguing stories about how they might be correlated with paranormal events. So I think that might be why someone who researches portal events is researching Bigfoot because what, what this documentary was trying to basically make the argument of is that... <laughs> We sound so woo-woo to anybody who doesn't like research like anything like this or listen to anything about it. But like um, this documentary was trying to say that um, somehow Bigfoots are maybe either either they're alien or they're interdimensional, you know, mm, which is kind of like the shadow man. Possibly. I mean, the shadow man, who the fuck knows? I did find a couple of experts for the shadow man or like people who's an expert on shadow people not really anybody uh it have to be self-acclaimed people i believe just people who look into it a lot probably call themselves experts i found a few of those and i'm going to email them i'm going to look them up uh because i'd be interested in talking to another person who potentially i don't know has either researched more into it or experienced it well I, I have met danny and so she did say she is down to come on the podcast eventually and they'll be here on saturday so maybe we'd be able to slip a little a little quickie in you know on the pod <laughs> yeah that i feel like that would be an interesting conversation because it's like uh have you talked to anyone you know other than danny like about this experience that shared a similar experience yeah, but I feel like I don't know. I've said my piece on the on the whole shadow man for for now until I talk to someone else because I feel like this is like the fourth time you and I have talked about it on the show. To be honest, let's be real. Who do you think is gonna win the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight though? Ooh, honestly, I'm I'm kind of rooting for Ben Askren. I started rooting for Jake Paul, but I I really have faith Ben Askren. Why do you say that? Uh, I think I've just been seeing more of his. Uh, I I think what it is is mentally. I think Jake Paul's going to slip up. It seems like Ben Askren, his non-reactive, like his non-reactiveness towards Jake Paul or whatever he's throwing at him is throwing Jake Paul off. Mm. At least that's what it seemed in the, what is it? The, the weigh-ins yeah. or that interview. So I don't know if it's going to carry over and it's going to affect his performance 
or I would be willing to put a lot of money that Jake Paul's going to knock this guy out. I just, what? What, Kate? <laughs> well, I, I'm curious, what, what was that look for, Kate? <laughs> you didn't expect me to say that, huh? I think Jake Paul's going to knock this motherfucker out. Here's why. Because when I was in uh, high school, I was a senior, and I wasn't getting much playing time on the basketball court. And some kid in my video production class or whatever was like, uh, oh, I could beat PJ in basketball, because I used to go by PJ back then. I could beat PJ in basketball. And half my team was in that class, and they were like, motherfucker, no, you cannot. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Because basketball is a very nuanced sport. If you don't play it, you just don't move like a basketball player. Like, there's a way to move on the basketball court. You know what I'm saying? And it's very nuanced uh, to the same degree as fighting. That's That was my original argument for maybe Nate Robinson would understand that there is nuance to boxing and come in having prepared for some of the fucking basic shit that he would have to know. Clearly, I was wrong in my assessment of uh, his IQ on how to... Maybe he's just a pure athlete. Apparently, he doesn't understand the nuance of different sports that have his levels to the shit. So... More of the story is I had to silence this motherfucker up right away. And so I said, let's go play basketball right now, motherfucker. And so we did. And guess what? 15 to zero. He didn't score a fucking point. Here's why I tell this story. Because Ben Askren, it doesn't matter how much in the head of this motherfucker he is. There's levels to this shit. And Ben Askren has been boxing for as long as Nate Robinson. Think about that. But Nate Robinson. I don't care. He... He's been wrestling. He's a wrestler from the UFC. He was the, arguably the worst striker the UFC has ever seen. There's one there's one video on the internet of him nastying up a dude with his stand-up game. And I have no like it's almost like that dude was paid to get hit by Ben Askren <laughs> cuz his face was bloody and Ben was throwing the ugliest motherfucking punches I've ever seen. It's basically like love taps on your fucking face. And so this man is not a striker. He's been wrestling in the UFC for over 10 years. And so, yes, he's a good wrestler. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets frustrated when he's dazed and confused and tries to take Jake Paul down because he's in the ring and doesn't know what else to do. I could see that happening if he doesn't get knocked out cold right away. But the moral of the story is, even if Jake Paul is not a good boxer compared to someone like, you know, King Ryan on Instagram, Ryan Garcia which I would say arguably Jake Paul is a pretty good boxer who could potentially work, work his way up, you know what I'm saying? But um, there's levels to this shit. And Ben Askren has been boxing for just as long as Nate Robinson. Actually, if Nate Robinson has kept it up, Nate Robinson's been boxing for longer. And I would say that um, even though he's been fighting, I think the only thing that would give him is maybe another round. More than Nate you think Robinson, so? yeah. I don't know. I don't think about knock. I don't think knocked out. He, really? He's been proven to to take a hit, and I, you know, aside from the flying knee, I highly doubt that he's gonna. Jake Paul has that type of force to knock Ben Askren out. I feel like people give him more credit for taking hits than maybe I haven't seen all of his all of his fights, but I did see the Robbie Lawler one or some of the other ones that people point out when oh he can take a hit or whatever. But here's the thing, when he gets hit in the UFC, he can go to his ground game right away. 
he can clinch up with this motherfucker and try to wrestle him right away to at least slow down the onslaught of punches coming at his head. There's none of that here. None of what he can resort to in the UFC applies. Even his stance that he's been ingraining for his entire life. In the UFC, you have to you have to prepare to potentially take a leg kick to your leg or a leg to kick to your head. And so your stance is a lot more open. It's a lot more squared up potentially at times, right? It, you know what? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about with stances, <laughs> right? But I, I just know that you have to deal with a lot more threats coming from different places to where in boxing, it's right here. You got two moves, you know, or two weapons, right? Not four or six, right? So he's going to, well, he has the clinch. Right. If anything, Ben Askren could just kind of keep clenching. I mean, that's like that's like someone saying, "But I can make a layup, so all I got to do is just make a bunch of layups." It is okay. It's not that simple, though. You know. Okay. Well, why don't you guys go both bet me money and let's see, let's see who really. 20, I'll put twenty five. You'll put twenty five on it. Okay, yep. I'll put twenty five. I put twenty five on it. Jake Paul's gonna knock his ass out. What? Okay, but all right, all right. Well, we'll we'll wait to see. We'll we'll see what happens with the match. But I highly doubt he's gonna get knocked out. If anything, he'll win by points. I would put. I would put a thousand on it with with Vegas, but I, I don't I don't know if I'm about that life because I don't really do sports betting. But um, yeah, twenty five, I'm down to do it. But I, I don't know, I'm just that confident in Jake Paul's boxing ability compared to Ben Askren. I do think Ben Askren has been really doing a great job of the marketing of the fight. He's been a, doing a good job at creating enough hype as much as Jake Paul is, if not more because of the press conference but at the end of the day just because someone has has is more non-reactive in a press conference that might work if your skill level is close or if you, even like this guy's even got a remote chance against you right but the skill level here is so much different and I've listen I've listened to every significant um UFC fighting commentator and boxing commentator on YouTube. I've been going down the rabbit hole in my free time, especially at night when I'm like not tired enough to go to bed, but I don't want to keep working. And so I'll be going down the rabbit hole of just hearing the experts' opinions on this fight. And I think because of commitment and consistency, I can't not watch the fight now. But at the same time, I just feel like everybody is calling out the press conference Everybody's talking about how he's a fighter. Everybody's talking about how, oh, he can take a motherfucking hit. But I just don't think that at the end of the day is going to be enough to make up for the skill difference here. The skill difference is just too massive. I don't know. I feel like half half the way through the match, finish <laughs> is going to go for that takedown. Fuck a boxing match. But I don't know. I, I'm curious to know what the Vegas odds are. Anybody know what the Vegas odds are? I believe they were like, Pretty close. It was like forty six percent, and like, let me let me pull it up. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I'd be curious to know what happens. What happens if Jake Paul does knock him out? What happens to Ben Askren? 
what happens to Jake Paul? I feel like that's what kind of what everybody's already expecting to happen anyways. Like, has anybody thought about the repercussions that might come from Ben Askren beating Jake Paul in this fight? Because uh, Jake Paul's boxing career is basically dead after that. It's dead in the water if he doesn't. Like, what? who's going to be interested in watching this guy fight anymore if he can't beat Ben Askren? That's true, because that was, like, his main selling point almost. Like, oh, I've, I've been, uh, what is it, 2-0? and Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's another dangerous place to come from because Jake Paul has way more to lose in this fight than Ben Askren. Ben Askren, what? What are the odds? Okay, I guess that it, that does seem pretty close, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's just because people are writing on the on what you guys were saying, which is basically what a lot of people who are on the Ben Askren side of things are saying. But I learned last time you can't you can't debate against skill, which is what I tried to do with Nate Robinson. I said he's an athlete, he's got stamina. Nate Robinson has stamina. I promise you that. If he if he had boxing skill, hypothetically he could have made it to the last round. <laughs> okay, Ben Askren could do the same thing. I don't give a fuck. It didn't make a difference. I don't know. We'll we'll see on we'll see when they fight on Saturday, but I I really think Askren has a chance. Okay. So what I don't know. I think did I I feel like just because Jake Paul has way more to lose and he's got more skill what is what is Ben Askren bringing to the fight? You know, as far as like what he has to gain, or what if he wins, maybe he takes on another fight, but maybe not. He'd like he's said himself he doesn't necessarily want to be keep fighting. He's already retired, and he also said if he loses, so what? He's already lost in the most um, profound way you can lose, <laughs> and worst case, he just goes back and keeps coaching at his wrestling gyms so it's like he's not his life isn't going to change one way or the other and he doesn't give a shit about the online clout so he doesn't have a lot to fight for jake has way more to fight for than him jake's also been doing this for three years and here's the thing you don't think i i would hope at least jake paul's at least smart enough to be boxing people who are wrestlers who are going to try to clinch him a lot who are going to try to be doing a lot of what what else can Ben Askren do? Ben Askren has been talking about his game plan this entire time. And it's because it's the only game plan that you can possibly go with if you have that little skill. So watch it work out though. <laughs> Kate, you are so angry about this. Because you're being so like, you keep saying Jake has so much skill. You literally just said he's been boxing for three years. I can throw a better punch in two days than Jake can put in three years. <laughs> Real? So for you to say that Jake has so much skill and Ben Askren has none, I'm sorry, have you seen that motherfucker fight? Have you seen the blood he brings out of people? I have not ben seen Askren? that once. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about you that. I ironically have been going down the rabbit hole on the side of Ben Askren because... No, 
I do. I've watched a ton of Ben Askren content. His videos are hilarious. You watch the impulsive. His videos are hilarious. And yes, I've I've arguably watched less of the Jake Paul hype than I have of the Ben Askren hype because I'm trying to be convinced that Ben Askren has a fighting chance, and I don't think he does. I think a lot of people are posting more videos about Ben Askren, though, realistically. Because of the press conference, which I think in retrospect is going to look extremely like a waste of time because I feel like I truly believe in this. He's going to get beat in embarrassing fashion and everybody's going to be like, well, I guess the press conference didn't mean jack shit. You're damn right. <laughs> you know? Patrick, the whole point of, the whole ass part of a fight is the press conference. Like you say, oh, he's getting really angry. He's getting really angry. Yeah, because he has to start that fucking game from the beginning. You may think it's all about skill, it's all about skill, but it's a fucking mental game, Patrick. It's a mental game because he has to be ready for Jake to tire himself out so then he can jump in third round and beat the fuck out of him. Okay. It's a mental game. It's not just it going in there and throwing hands. Boxing is strategy. It's a, as as your friend said, it's about it's like chess. So you can't just which, which one of my friends said that? Diego. Diego said oh. <laughs> It's not just the biggest group going in there and fighting people. That's the way they do it in Russia. Not here. Mm -hmm. Here is mental. So from day one, Jake's been acting like a fool, acting like a child. He's called the problem child for a reason. And ben He's got a problem bot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess there's only one way to settle this. That's what I'm saying. And that's in the bedroom. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm not joking. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'll beat you down, motherfucker. Uh, you know, I have to say this. Kate, I got to give you credit. You have the most unique looking basketball shot form that I've ever seen. On my birthday, we went to Dave and Buster's and I've never seen Kate do um, anything as remotely athletic as shooting a basketball. And might I say... It was quite the experience. <laughs> and those um, big old, the big hoops. I will say she made three baskets, which is good. She got six points in a minute. And it was, well, here's the thing. I'll just say this. The first time I went box or golfing with Clark Kegley, world famous drummer for a big rock band, uh, I said, he looks like a drummer for, from a rock band golfing. He golfs like he is a rock star. Kate shoots basketballs like she's a rock star. She does not shoot basketballs like a basketball player. She shoots basketballs like a rock star trying to shot put it somehow. She's five two and a half. But arguably, if you have the right form, that shouldn't make a difference. Kate, listen, I can help you work on your game. I got game. It's like that basketball movie. What is that basketball? Which one? The, um, with the song. Basketball. Oh, no. That's like uh, Mike. 
Yeah. I remember that was the first time I felt like I was on Molly was when I saw the the preview for Like Mike. Um, and I was like 10 and the movie came out and they announced it. And I was just like, I was cheesing so hard. I was like, this is my wet dream of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's got fantasy, uh, which is magical, mystical shoes. It's got rappers, little Bow Wow. It's got Michael Jordan, like Mike. It's got the NBA and basketball. It's got a kid my age, Slam Dunkin', and beating basketball players who were playing in the NBA. All because one -on -one. of the shoe. That was my childhood wet dream, talking about movies and shit. No, it wasn't. It was love and basketball. It could be like love and we could be like love and basketball, Kate. I'll teach you how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> okay, she's good. Yeah, she should probably stay far away from a basketball court. <laughs> let's be honest. Jesus, have you been seeing uh, Logan train? Uh yeah, on the Maverick Club. Shout out Logan Paul. I'm in the Maverick Club. Um, has he has he been posting like sparring footage or nah? Just like. He's he posted a vlog where they did a lot of sparring. Well, they with Ryan. They did that show that. One? Yeah, they did show that. Um, he they didn't show a lot of his sparring footage. I'll be honest. They, I think they intentionally didn't show any of his sparring footage actually. But what they did do is show a lot more behind the scenes of his practice and other people sparring. And I'll be honest, it looks like, I don't know if these guys are legit fighters or not. Um, on the vlog, on the Maverick Club, he was like talking about, oh yeah, that guy's an undefeated pro boxer. That guy's, you know, a pro boxer and won this or whatever. So it sounds like he's bringing in legit people, but he's not showing himself fighting them. Um, but what he is showing is uh, everybody else fucking each other up and they are there to fight, you know, so. Oh, so like it doesn't show him sparring, but it shows everyone else like yeah. them against each other. Yeah, there was one of uh, one instance in his Maverick Club vlog where he was like he had gone out the night before and he was hung over and like still like, you know how like when you're hung over and the next morning you're like slap happy, you're like joking around, everything's light, everything's fun and you're just but you're like you still kind of feel drunk and you're just laughing a lot. Yeah, he was like that, and he was about to be boxing all these like high level boxers apparently. And he like, uh, I think he hit a hit a joint like while he was hung over to try to get ready for his practice. Um, like little things like that. So he's having fun with it, but I guess if you got enough skill to be able to do that going into a boxing, boxing match, <laughs> yeah, a day of boxing. But it looks like he trained hard that day. So you know what I. I still don't think he has a chance against Floyd. I also don't think that the fight's going to happen. I, I'm debating getting my money back because I bought it early bird when it was like... They have, have they even like updated anything like in regards to postponing the date? Uh, no. I From my understanding, is it, it just seems like Logan Paul's camp are talking about the fight as if it's going to happen. And then the way they it's getting brought up now is like, hey, is that fight still happening? And then Logan has to defend the fact that it is happening. And the more he has to defend the fact that it is happening, the more I start to doubt that it's ever going to happen. Because um, we haven't heard a damn peep out of Floyd Mayweather about it. And I just feel like at least someone put it to me this way, that it seems like Floyd Mayweather said, yeah, we'll fight depending on the numbers, they saw the numbers coming in. There wasn't a lot of pay-per-view buys. And so he said, eh, whatever, fuck it. And probably didn't. But we all know that everybody buys the fight the day of or the night before. So um, I don't know. That's I feel like that's the whole point of like the marketing, right? Is to hype it up. Right. 
let's be honest. People are not going to not watch Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, so logically, in my head, it wouldn't make sense for it to not happen. If it doesn't happen, and it's it, we both we both know it's not because Logan didn't want to make it happen. It's obviously Floyd Mayweather's side. And if Floyd Mayweather doesn't want it to happen, um, he's scared. Let's be honest. He's scared. Or... He's really just trying to protect his legacy and doesn't want like a Logan Paul match on his. But even legacy. in the interviews, he's like he seems like he just doesn't care about it. Like as far as like for him, it's entertaining. He he said he was gonna put on a show. I forgot how old the interview was, but he's like, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, we're gonna put on a show. Yeah. So it's like realistically, he off this fight, he would be earning more, I'm sure, than the exhibitions he was doing out in Japan or or wherever he was doing those exhibitions at. Yeah, that's so, why I say logically it just doesn't make sense for him to not take the fight, you know? Because if it's like, I don't know, he, I'm sure he's pretty confident in his ability and he's proven himself time and time and time and time again. Yeah. So it just wouldn't make sense. I'm going to call this. If I could put money on this, I would. I think if Jake Paul wins this fight, one day, I'm not saying the next fight, but maybe like three or four fights from now, he will get Conor McGregor. <laughs> He will get that boxing match. Yeah, and I, I didn't Connor mention something about that in one of his interviews. Like if he's open to it, just like not right now. Yeah, like if Conor McGregor even has Jake Paul's name in his mouth at this point, I think that's a good sign that it's it's going to happen one day. Jake Paul, Jake Paul's been saying he wants that fight for a while. He obviously did all that shit talking online to get his attention. Clearly, he has his attention because. Conor McGregor's getting asked about it in interviews and he's talking about it and uh, he has like positive things to say about like the contribution that these entertainers are making to boxing. Here's a question though. What is more of a sure future? Bitcoin being the next uh, currency or celebrity entertainment boxing being mainstream? What's more of a sure future? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they both have good odds, but realistically, I mean, they're both going to happen, but I feel like the stronger one is Bitcoin. Yeah. Why do you say that? It just, because it, at this point, I feel like it's definitely here to stay. It's not, I, I highly doubt it's going anywhere the way things are evolving with Bitcoin and yeah. all like the alt altcoins. Uh huh. I just don't see it going anywhere. I think it literally is the future. If somehow the government comes in and tries to put regulation on it, um, I just don't think it'll last. I think it's already a monster that's too big. It's like that that monster, that alien that from the movie Life. Have you seen that shit? From Life. Is that the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that? That one was crazy. Why do you say that? Because it was just like, I don't know. I, wasn't, I remember watching the trailer and mm. I was just like, what the fuck? Because it just shows like a very small thing and then it evolves essentially spoiler spoiler alert but it kills like everyone on that ship is just spoiler alert it kills everybody in the fucking world uh it ends the world that one monster kills everybody and at first they were just it was just like a test they didn't even know what it was bro <laughs> at what point in that movie did you know things were going south when jake gyllenhaal died he's like my favorite actor and once they killed him I but he like, didn't even die didn't he? You're talking about Ryan Reynolds. Oh. Yep. Uh. This is why I don't think enough, like that movie doesn't get enough shine. 
like the star-studded cast it had, I feel like not a lot of people talked about it. I don't think it was a popular choice at the box office. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was. Maybe it didn't like the life of it. It was I think it was I felt like it was pretty big when it really? first came out. Yeah, but Oh, maybe I'm just disconnected or at least at the time I was disconnected from like the mainstream movie circuit, you know. Yeah. But me and Kate, we saw it in a movie theater, right? Oh, you never okay. I saw it. I I'm pretty sure I saw it at the movie theater and it fucked my life up. Um I was just like in anxiety the whole time, especially when Jake Gyllenhaal not when Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds died. He died in the most like gruesome way I've seen in a in a fucking movie, you know? It's like gruesome because it's left up to your imagination, but it's also like very visual at the same time, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What what do you, do you have like have a preference when it comes to cuz I feel like some movies they, especially in the old, I was watching Sleepaway Camp. Have you ever watched that movie? No. It's like a really old 80s or 90s movie. Uh-huh. But essentially, they're they're uh, at a camp and there is a girl who turns out to be, uh, and there's a mysterious killer. And ultimately, at the end, the big reveal is that the girl is actually a boy and the boy has been killing like everybody at camp. But where I was going with it is like some, it had some very gruesome scenes but then it had just like one or two scenes where like it wouldn't show. It didn't show how she she or he killed him, but it would have like the sound. So what's more she horror? or he he yeah. she um, gender just neutral gender neutral. All right. So what were you saying? Well, I was just the question is like for you personally, do you feel like the audio is what triggers you most? Like as far as like mm. makes a gruesome scene or no, it's got to be it's definitely visual. both visual and audio. I think. What I've learned from editing my videos, I, I feel like I'm always, if there's one thing I always try to compete with myself with in, it's my editing. So I try to make my next video better than my last. And my editing has come a long way in the last couple of years. And uh, one thing I'm recently starting to really pay a lot of attention to is just when I'm editing something, I start with the audio. You know, most people think more in the visual. I start with audio and then build the visuals on top of it. And um, in a movie or something like that, you think about like, have you ever seen the behind the scenes of how they create a lot of sound effects? Oh, like uh, when they use just like everyday products? Is yeah. That what you mean? Yeah. Like, for example, in that movie, like uh, Cloudy. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, there was like a behind the scenes clip. Uh, I'm sure you probably saw it as like a, I think it, a lot of people saw it on Disney. They're like using wet mops as like meatballs hitting the ground yeah. and stuff. Um, so when I'm looking, I'm, when I'm thinking about the movie Life and I'm thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal floating in space and this thing is inside of him, it's the visual of seeing him getting jerked around in space, you know, while he's floating around the room. So you know the thing's like just running amok inside of him. But then it's the the sound effect of the... Of the and then the drops of blood floating out of his mouth you know what i'm saying so it's visual and audio so it's the culmination yeah i really notice a lot of that stuff and i feel like that's probably why um i'm very critical of a lot of movies but i also appreciate a lot of movies um and i feel like the general viewer doesn't notice the little details like that like when i was on mushrooms last last uh christmas or thanksgiving and i was in kansas and i was watching this western movie on netflix called uh a valley of violence have you seen that 
No. Bro. <laughs> Great movie all around. And I think because I was on Mushrooms, I noticed every little detail and creative choice uh, kind of in the in the same nuanced way that I was just talking about with the movie Life. Because the storyline is very, I, I like the, the storyline. It's got Ethan Hawke, which is a, he's a big name actor. Um, it's also got a few other big name. I think John Travolta is in this movie as well. And it's a Western movie, but it's like, it's like a funny Western movie that's also very Western, meaning that the, the, a lot the of plot, shooting. there's shooting, but the plot is just like, have you ever watched like classic Westerns? No. Like three, 310 to Yuma is like my favorite Western movie ever. I think I have an appreciation for Westerns because the storytelling is just so, in, in my head, just like, in my, my in my opinion, just like, encapsulating it just sucks you in right because you see things just fold out in a way and so with this movie um things were folding out and it was very intriguing so i liked that aspect but it was also funny but it was also a bloomhouse movie and bloomhouse makes horror movies and so little details like i remember i pointed out this detail john travolta shot a shotgun at Ethan Hawke as he's running away in the middle of this western town and the, and it's like sunny out right and he hits a stairwell that was made of wood and so the thing blew up right and then they cut uh, to a different like a different camera angle of John Travolta close up or whatever and he's talking and then they cut to Ethan Hawke and while Ethan Hawke is standing there hiding behind this fucking building and you can see in the depth uh John Travolta so there's like even the artisticness of like, I'm paying attention to this subject here and this subject in the depth, you know, mm. in the same shot. So there's that, but then the little detail of like this sawdust floating across the the way. And it was just like so perfectly on cue. And it was like the light was hitting the sawdust in the right way that added like this ambiance to the fact that he just shot the stairwell and i pointed this out to my buddy bobby um because i was like that sawdust just made me appreciate this movie way more because they thought out every detail down to the exact millisecond that this shit got cued because most people would have forgot that he shot the stairwell that was made of wood and a couple of cut scenes had happened and a couple seconds had passed they did not have to have the sawdust blowing in the breeze in front of ethan hawk's hawk's face but when they cut back someone thought hey, we also have to have sawdust in the scene because about 10 seconds earlier, even though it was a bunch of fucking scenes that had to take a lot of setup and lighting to do, um, he just shot, shot a stairwell. And so they just subtly remind the audience that the stairwell was just, and I was just like, oh my God, all the little intricate details. So I'm, a, I'm kind of a fucking nerd for that shit. Yeah, and I feel like that's definitely something that adds to it that, like you said, a lot of people like myself, like just regularly watching, like we don't even think about it. But subconsciously, we acknowledge it and it makes it that much more like just amazing. Yeah. We're just like, damn, that was. But when you ask like what what made it, you know, what what about it is good? And you're just, for me, sometimes it's just like, I don't know. It was just good. Yeah. Because I can't call out to like those specific little, de you know, attention to detail. Yeah. And I feel like I probably only noticed the attention to detail because I'm editing videos and it's like the one thing I get to do that really pushes me creatively because I'm paying attention to the little details like that, you know, and I feel like even if someone doesn't, if someone's watching my video on YouTube, be it a podcast or clips or 
a fucking highly produced video um, or documentary, like I put so much thought into every intricate detail and every intricate choice from music to when the music cuts in, when it cuts out, when it gets louder, when it gets softer, every little thing I do, it becomes a piece of art because you're not only changing the colors, you're picking the shot, you're framing the shot, what's in the background, what's in the foreground, is the background blurred out or not, how does the lighting, how does the lighting hit your face, what kind of lighting do I wanna go for in this video, what kind of vibe do I wanna put into this video, uh, and um, what kind of music do I wanna put on, do I even wanna put on music, will it make the words more impactful, I'm paying so much intricate detail to it, by the end of a five, six minute video, it is. it literally feels like a work of art, you know, and whether or not everybody notices that thing, I think when you start paying attention to the details on your end, even if nobody else can call it out, it's like everything has an effect. It's called the Lollapalooza effect. Like thousands of tiny details into one just like vibe that I go, oh, that was a great video, you know? Have you ever thought about putting turning your videos into NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about turning a lot of things in NFTs. I could turn my emails into NFTs. I could turn my poop into NFTs, bro. I could turn everything into an NFT. Bro, and just have just with the poop, you could just be like, I'll physically mail it to you <laughs> with the right price. Yeah. <laughs> what I think is exciting about the NFTs is not what mainstream thinks is the NFTs right now. Um, because as a, actually in between the last time we filmed the podcast and now that we're getting back, I'm going to get back into the weekly ones, right? And we're going to be, be doing these podcasts on Wednesdays rather than Fridays now, just because it works out better with the, the way my schedule is set up. And so this one's coming out on Wednesday. Next week, you're going to get the, the Bigfoot the portal guy on Wednesday as well. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, what, what the fuck was I saying? Before? NFTs? You? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got really into cryptocurrency investing and it blows my mind because it, it's crazy how like I've been putting this off for so fucking long and then one person says one thing and it completely shifts the way I think about it and now it just it all clicks into place and makes it makes it make sense because before I would feel like when I save money like it's an accomplishment if that goes up over time because it means I'm still saving money and that's just like you know if we if you look into the most basic investing book, which is the richest man in Babylon. Like it's just like high level, just like, um, concepts. And one of those concepts is always put 10% away. Every time you get any money, 10% into savings, right? Well, at the time they didn't have crypto. So he, he probably would have put, said, put it in the stock market, but it was from thousands of years ago. Right. And so, um, have you read the richest man in Babylon? No. Yeah. So it's basically a book that, I don't know if it's true or if it's fiction, but it's written, it's like the Blair Witch, like you, it's supposed to look like it's true, right? But it's basically, apparently the whole entire book was translated off of clay tablets that were found, that were written thousands of years ago. And so it's just a bunch of stories, like parables about uh, money and investing and becoming wealthy. Um, and one of those is every time you get money, you put away 10%. Another one I think is like, don't take investing, it like, seek out mentors in investing basically you know take investing advice from people who know what the fuck they're doing spoken like a true coach coach yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and so um it blew my mind because i didn't really look at i looked at crypto as just like oh another thing put it just one of those things you know um but i was never really into it but then someone was like it's like a savings account 
right? I have, he said, I have 95% of my net worth in savings, this guy who I was listening to on a podcast. And I was like, is that dumb or is that stupid? And he was just like, well, if you think about it, your money is sitting in a savings account right now. And every time the the government prints more money to send out everybody a $1,400 stimulus check or whatever, um, what, what do you think that money comes from? Hypothetically, it's backed by gold and that's how they keep it like an actual non-depreciating asset. But we both know that inflation happens for a reason. The depreciation, and there's a lot of reasons I'm not an economist by any means, but um, the fact that we're printing money out of thin air means that every dollar is losing value because it's less scarce. This is like primal human stuff. People back in the day, oh, shiny rock, how many, can, can I have one? No, this is the only one I have fucking have. It's scarce, now I want it more. And if you really want it, you have to give me a lot of value in return for it, right? And so it's basically the same primal concept that people have been operating on for thousands of years. Well, right now we're printing money out of thin air whether you realize it or not. And putting your money um, is like, you might as well be printing it into cash and putting it in your mattress because it's just gonna sit there and it's gonna lose value over time. Because what's gonna happen is if you keep that money in your mattress or underground buried in your backyard for 50 years, well, pretty soon, 10K 50 years from now, well, what was 10K worth 50 years ago? A lot more, it went a lot further than 10K today, I'll tell you that. That's because it's lost value in that 50 years, and just by the simple fact that you had it sitting there, you thought you were keeping the same amount of dollars, AKA keeping the same amount of value. Dollars are not value. Dollars are just the 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 means for trading whatever asset you have, right? But it, it depreciated. So when I thought about, oh, if I just take my money, that's basic, might as well be sitting in my mattress right now and put it in a place where, hey, when this gains more popularity and more people are investing into it, um, it that value goes up. But here's also the smart part about Bitcoin. There's only a certain amount that can ever exist. You can't make more Bitcoin out of thin air. That And that's literally the like if bitcoin is a universe and that universe has a law of physics that is the law of physics bitcoin is there will only ever be a certain amount of bitcoin and so you can't ever make it a depreciating asset and it doesn't matter who buys it or doesn't buy it the fact of the matter is people have bought it and are buying it and just because of that fact alone it has value right because they're not gonna get destroyed. Those Bitcoins are still gonna be there, but there will never be more of them. And so the only way it could fail is, I mean, from my limited knowledge, is if every single person who owns any Bitcoin got rid of all of it and nobody ever bought it again, which doesn't make sense, right? And at this point, most people are starting to see the trends. And here's what I realized. The moment I put money into Bitcoin, it started going up, it, arguably slowly, right? But I put 3K into Bitcoin, if I make $100 in a week, just because my money's sitting in this mattress rather than this mattress, um, to me, it's like, yo, why wasn't I doing this earlier? You know what I'm saying? Even if it's only $100 in a week, well, how many weeks over how, however, how, however many years until it's a significant amount? The long term. All you have to do is make sure that the thing that's growing is actually a bigger amount. Like you have to have, it's not about It's not about how much money you have in Bitcoin, it's about how much of the Bitcoins that you own. How much gold do you have in your mattress, right? That's why people collect gold, it's the same concept as Bitcoin, but 
I just feel like Bitcoin is the direction. Um, the only way, other way I could see it failing is like a lot of people say that it's it's um, very not economically safe or like environmentally safe. What does that mean? From the way I imagine it is like the amount of computing power that has to go into what they say mining the Bitcoin, right? What, oh. yeah, like mining Bitcoin is, is, um, it takes a lot of computing power. And apparently these days they have like big buildings and servers that are hosting all this computing power to be able to mine the Bitcoin because, um, at, apparently the way it works is like, it's like a big ass puzzle. And the way you mine the Bitcoin is you, you solve the puzzle. Anybody can solve the fucking puzzle, but what it really takes is like, it's like the more, because it's so scarce, the way they limit the supply of it is the more that the puzzle has been solved, the harder the puzzle gets. And so the, since the puzzle is so hard at this point, um, to mine more Bitcoin, you have to have a lot more computers working on it. A big old, like a warehouse server, server room or something. Yeah. So apparently, like theoretically, back in the day when there wasn't, it wasn't as mainstream, I could have my computer and I could be sitting here mining Bitcoin. But... Now that the, it's a little bit more mainstream, I need like a fucking three or four, or if not a lot more than that of those just to be mining Bitcoin. You know? Yeah, just, just to even get like a little bit. Yeah. And so I think most people just don't understand what Bitcoin is. And that was definitely where I was coming from. But the more I've looked into it, the more I understand it. And I'm I, what I'm realizing and just the way that I'm observing these major companies like Tesla, PayPal, MasterCard, Visa, these companies are aligning for a long-term cryptocurrency play. And this is within the last month, you know, and I'm watching the way these people are prepping for something. It almost seems like they're prepping for something, which makes me wonder what the fuck are they prepping for? You know, the last time I could think about something like this happening was apparently, uh, who's that? Who's the guy who owns like the, uh, the McCaff McCaffrey? No, the, like half the casinos on the Las Vegas strip. Like, um, Aria oh, and the I have no clue. He's like a big ass fucking famous entrepreneur guy and he speaks at a lot of Tony Robbins concerts. His name escapes me. Um anyways, he like fires like half the casino and hotel staff like a month before the the crash. The the everything goes on lockdown, right? So Oh, he, okay. He was prepping for something. He knew some shit that most people didn't. I remember that. You know, to me, it seems like a lot of companies are doing that right now with crypto under the radar, low key. And you wouldn't know unless you're looking it up. Yeah. Know? And a lot of them aren't like you. I think you mentioned it, right? Like Tesla's not even going to be using that like, yeah. to, for. Think about fancy. this. Tesla is accepting Bitcoin as payment, but they are not going to be cashing out on that Bitcoin. They're just keeping it. Why? Because Crypto Bitcoin right now. Let's let's forget all the other alternative coins that you can buy. Just like a, a coin is like a company in the real world. You can invest in companies. You can invest in like Colgate or McDonald's or Coca Cola. I can put my money into their stocks. It's the same thing. Bitcoin is like the, basically the apple of the fucking cryptocurrency universe. You know, it's like the biggest fucking one, right? And it's so right now hypothetically. You know, crypto is around 60K, right? People are saying that crypto is going to go to a million within the next five years. So if you think about that, if I put my money in a mattress and I put 5K in that mattress and it sits there in five years from now, how much dollars do I have? 
I have 5K, but it depreciated, so it's probably worth like 4.8K, right? If I put 5K into Bitcoin and I just keep it there, and in five years, Bitcoin goes from 50K to a million, what does that 5K equal? I have $100,000. I have 20X my money because Bitcoin's value 20X. So by putting, by just not even thinking about investing this money, it's still your money. Bitcoin's not gonna crash, and if it does, I promise you, it's gonna go back up because when it crashes, that's when everybody pumps money into it because you gotta buy low and sell high, right? So the smart people know that and enough smart people are investing in Bitcoin right now, so it's not going to crash and you, the government can't control it because it's decentralized. That's why it's such a big deal. The reason why the dollar is losing value is because it's centralized. One person has control of it, and they decide to print more of it, and they're not backing it with anything. This literally can't be made more of. You can't print it out of thin air, and you can't centralize it. It's hosted on a bunch of servers everywhere from all these pit people mining Bitcoin everywhere in the world. The only way that the government could come in and step in is if they took away everybody's fucking computer. Everybody. because Or everybody who's mining Bitcoin. That's the only way that you could do it. And you would have to do every single person in the world at, who's mining Bitcoin at the exact same time. Now, the only way that you could do that is if you're planning a fucking alien attack and you fucking wipe out the world's power. Now, that would be some conspiratorial shit just to wipe out Bitcoin. Bit, you need Bitcoin to survive because they only well, take Bitcoin. <laughs> bro <laughs> okay so that's how they could centralize the the bitcoin right but what are the chance I, I would rather put my money into that not happening than, than than that happening you know what i'm saying yeah but you know where the real money is where bit clout <laughs> i was getting ready to start a bit clout um not because i want people to invest in my bit bit, bit clout uh, and I'm sure if you did, it would be very cheap at this point um, because we are on the come up. And I think what I thought, what I did unconsciously, and it, it took a lot, it takes a lot for me to admit this, is I feel like my head got too big for where I was at in subscriber count. I felt like, oh, because, you know, um, I have over 20K subscribers. Like now I have like a decent sized following 20 K that's like a fucking stadium of people. But unfortunately, if you're looking for clout in terms of clout, 29 K is not much, you know, we're talking great. You want clout to translate to the real world. You got to have a milli at least that's at least my opinion. That's right? like the entry point. Cause yeah. even then there's like a lot of, at least I don't know if you've ever like come across like a lot of subscribers that have like millions of subscribers, but you've never heard of them. You're yeah. just like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Very niched people. I think that's what it is, is you have to be in that niche, which arguably, oh, well, I mean, if you had a, a million niched people, you're crushing it, you know? What? They have to be doing that because they still give out a 100K one. Oh. Oh, they review it. Damn. See, so I just need to think bigger. How do I get to a bigger number faster if that's what I'm going for? Which I'll be honest, 
at this point, I'm just like, fuck it, why not? Because I'm so, I think I've been resisting the call to adventure on the creativity side of my Become, video production. I could see you becoming the celebrity or the YouTuber, uh, kind of like how Caesar Milan is the dog trainers of like celebrities. Yeah. You're like the dating coach, but for like YouTubers and like the influencers. Uh, I don't know if that's a niche that I would be necessarily interested in serving, but um, at least the collaboration. Well, yeah, for a collaboration, but as far as that being my brand, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but, oh, going back to BitClout, <laughs> um, the only reason I didn't start the BitClout was because it doesn't matter how much money you put into it, um, you can't withdraw your money. You can't cash out at oh, this point. So it stays within yeah. BitClout. Yeah, because like BitClout, company. like I said, it's like a new company, right? And so they're trying to gain traction. <laughs> They're trying to get more people to invest and you can't invest if everybody pulls their fucking money out. So they're the, I think this is common with a lot of the smaller altcoins, which I think BitClout would, could be considered one of those. Um, but don't, don't press me on that definition. If you're a cryptocurrency, uh, connoisseur. Oh, that's a good, that's a good alliteration. Cryptocurrency connoisseur. I'm going to make that my my Instagram bio, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency connoisseur. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty common with a lot of the smaller ones. You can't, you, sometimes if you invest, you can't take your So money even out. as a creator, even though like it says your worth is X amount, yeah. you are not able to pull that. And money. here's the other bullshit part of that. All these fucking big ass fucking influencers that are number five on BitClout. It's the same kind of mentality of Bitcoin. You only have so many coins that, so when you start a profile, oh. you now have your own coin. And so when people invest in you, they take a piece of the pie and there's only limited pieces. Yes. So that raises. Right. And so notice that the people who have, who are number two on BitCloud, number one on BitCloud, there's a couple aspects. Cause I read the, I read the pamphlet that BitCloud has like as their little descriptor, which most people will never look up and read. Right. And basically what they did to gain traction for as they want to be the first social media on a cryptocurrency universe, you know mm. what I'm saying? So they are a social media of crypto, which I could see being great maybe 20 years from now, maybe even 10 years from now. But right now it's so much in the infancy stage, which I would say maybe is a worthwhile investment if you're thinking about it as a long-term play. But it's so, it's like MySpace went out, you know, Zanga went out. You don't want to be the first to market. You want to be at least second because all the pioneers are the ones with uh, laying face down in the dirt with the arrows in their back. They're pioneering social media on on. They're essentially turning the influencers into stocks. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. And I feel yeah, it hasn't. There's already been a case where like they people have stolen other like uh, celebrities' identities. Like they created an account. Exactly. So that's the shady part. Is they're like, oh yeah, Elon Musk is number one on BitClout, right? So you're like, oh, if Elon Musk has a BitClout, then I should get a BitClout. And then I, I looked at the, in the pamphlet, it says if they have a little like check mark, a little clock next to their name, which most of the top 20 on BitClout do, it means they haven't claimed their profile yet, which means they said what they did was they took the top like 1,000 profiles on Twitter and created a BitClout for them that people could start investing in in hopes that, hey, if this thing gained enough value, 
then they'll eventually come on and actually adopt the thing. So maybe Oprah has a bit clout. Elon Musk has a bit clout, but nobody claimed Elon Musk. And then it even says in the pamphlet to claim your bit clout profile. If you are in the top 1000 of the most followed Twitter profiles, uh, send us a DM on, <laughs> on Twitter. Like what they're going to, I bet you they're going to, they ask for like Bitcoin for you to get an account or something. Maybe that's, the, I, don't I know, think they take, a they take a percentage of the amount invested into you. That's how oh. it works, you know? So that's how so they like make a money. record label. Kinda, I guess, you know? And then, but here's the other aspect of that, of why it's gained, why why I think BitClout could be a bubble. It's probably too shady to invest my money in, especially I can't take it out at this point, um, is I can, you start your profile by buying your own coin. You have to start your profile by buying your own stock. So everybody who has some uh, a profile on there put in five bucks or ten bucks and so now they have a coin price and everything right so if logan paul's number five i guarantee you it's because he got himself to like number 10 by putting his own money in there and then other people came on and got him to number five like that's an example mm. so i can put a lot of money in and make it look like i'm way more popular than i am which is why you probably see a lot of these maybe smaller like famous people who are in the online marketing niche that I've seen who are like uh, right next to Ariana Grande on the fucking top, you know, they, bit they clouds. Pump up their own. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen like other people in like the marketing space and like they're up there. And I'm yeah. just like, how, you know? At what point do you say, hey, that was, that was a good try, but it's probably not wise because listen, man, you put how much money into that fucking spot that you will never get back? I'm, I'm assuming they, they're testing. At least not anytime soon. Like ads. Like think of it as like another form of that. I don't yeah. know. Well, I guess you could, but if you're a marketer, you probably not, I would hope, unless you just have so much money to blow, you're probably not gonna put, how much money did, here's the thing. Let's just say, call us, Craig Clemens, how much money did you put into your own fucking bit clout? Cause he's on the top 20 of bit clout. And I know for a fact that copywriter ain't top 20 in the fucking world and clout. Social media. You know what I'm saying? Craig Clemens, bro, how much money did you put into BitClout? And please tell me you did it because you know something that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I also feel like the whole process is just, is, is it just me or is it like so complicated to the point where like I just don't see this BitClout going any further? If you have to put in, like if you have to buy it, if you, you're not able to take money out, like realistically. Yeah, it's, <sighs> it's a great idea. I think because of the things logistically that we've talked about, it's gonna gain a lot of hype really quick, but when people realize, hey, Elon Musk really ain't on BitClout, <laughs> even though he's number one on BitClout. They created a profile for him that nobody's claimed yet, you know? <laughs> and same with all these other fucking people that you think are on BitClout. And all the people who are whose name is by them, most likely they put their own money into their own BitClout. And let's think, even if the idea does take off, here's why. I think it's probably not a wise investment unless you're like someone who loves day trading or something like that because it will go up and down as fast as people get canceled on the fucking internet. You realize that? Jake Paul, if I wanted to, if I could put money into BitClout and take it out next week, I would 100% take all my money that's in crypto right this second Put it into Jake Paul's profile. Jake Paul knocks out Ben Askren on Saturday. Everybody else buys a bunch of his fucking bit clout. But, 
oh, trick, you can't take your money out. And what happens when Jake Paul does some stupid shit or people give him more bad press and everybody hates on him again canceled. or it gets canceled and everybody fucking sells? If Well, I guess, can you even sell on BitClout? Can you right? trade? I think you can trade it, but you can't take whatever you trade it for So off. then at this point, it's just like you have money in there. You can't take it out. You can maybe just exchange it. Yeah, you for- have to buy it with Bitcoin. So that's the thing. You tr- Bitcoin is the currency. That you know? seems like a lot of work for potentially very minimal payoff because you have to like it's almost like you have to be day trading but with without the day with trading people. Games. Yeah, you got to be following celebrities. So a lot of people who follow celebrities could do it. Like you could you could definitely do this with um what's that fucking chick uh with the uh, the lipstick all over her face? Jeffrey Star. Miranda Sings. Oh. <laughs> Jeffrey Star. <laughs> The exact opposite <laughs> of what I was going for. Um, yeah, Miranda Sings. Like, I guess technically people are following people more closely than they are celebrities. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't. It seems more like a a sketchy, like, quick money grab type of thing for the company, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I don't know. Just the whole I layout. think they literally are trying to be the Facebook of crypto. Because mm. let's say the idea does stick. Um, and assuming there's no other competition that comes in and takes away market share, um, the fact that crypto, that what is that the the blockchain, blockchain is a is a technology that's here to stay, you know, because it goes deeper than just Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like dollars, but Ethereum is smart contracts. Smart contracts. Oh, this is my what I was going to say about NFTs. Smart contracts are basically like you and I. If you wanted to sell your house, I don't need a real estate agent. I don't need a fucking contract. Um, we use Ethereum. Ethereum is a smart contract that's already set up. And it says, hey, I sell you this house and it's now yours. And I've officially transferred ownership to you with a press of a button. Oh, Smart contracts are here to stay. That is the future. So it's like essentially at a push of a button, all the paperwork that you would normally go through. Yeah. It's and like it's an verifiable. Official- Right. That's the thing is like if I produce a signature like, hey, look, you signed this piece of paper, you say, fuck off. I didn't sign that piece of paper. This you can't fake. The blockchain is just verifiable. It's stamped into the fucking blockchain. Um. Nobody can alter that or change that. It is written into the history books and that history book, unless all the power gets wiped down the world, will never be deleted. You know, so um, smart contracts are the future. Here's why. NFTs are interesting, not because you're collecting a fucking picture of a of a unicorn, right? It's interesting because when you think of like artists putting out music, hey, only 1,000 copies of this song are going out. So a radio station can't even play this song on the fucking radio unless they themselves they own it, you know, um, things like that, right? And I can verify that there's only 1,000 copies of this song out in the world, right? Or... Imagine combining smart contracts with anything that you want to trade, right? I think an NFT is a non, non-fungible non token. It's more than art. It's any creative work. So copywriting a book, there's a thousand copies of NFTs of my book and all there's zero physical copies, right? Mm. So literally only a thousand people will ever be able to buy this book, which is the exact opposite of like selling an ebook on the internet because technically ebooks can be copy pasted, deleted, um, and, and sent anywhere, right? You send someone your login. You can't do that with an NFT, right? And so I think it's definitely the future. And I would probably say, uh, ahead of its time. I think the social media aspect of the blockchain is ahead of its time. 
But at the same time, we're increasing exponentially in what we're capable of technology. So where maybe 20 years ago, if we're talking about social media blockchains, you would have said, oh, that's 100 years in the future. I think today, you probably say, oh, it's probably five, 10 years in the future with how fast things are evolving. Yeah. You know, one thing that blew my mind, and you can literally visually conceptualize how fast technology is evolving. Think about it like this. You take someone from 1720 or whatever, you take them to present day, it's from the 1700s. He would see these fucking capsules shooting down the street. He would see these paved roads. He would see these flying machines. And he would look at this fucking thing in your hand, this magical light up rock. He would be so mind blown that he might literally die. That's how fucking mind blown he is, right? Because it's so outside of his concept of reality, right? And so if you think about, this is your benchmark. The amount of technological difference that I would be so mind blown, I would die, right? So that's what, 300 years ago, right? Now let's say he goes, let's say he doesn't die in this example, and you take that person, you put him back in his present day, and he goes, you know what? I wanna play that joke on someone too. So he takes the same time machine, and he goes back to 1500, or he's 1400, and he says, yo, come back to 1700. Let me show you what's up. That 1400 person will go to 1700, and he'd probably be like, yo, yeah, this is like cool ass technology. Like you guys got like control of your fire. You got like things like this. Like this is, this is, this is dope. But he wouldn't be so mind blown that he would die. Like overstimulation or just like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Right? He would probably have to go back to maybe 1200 or maybe 1000 to get that fucking result. Right? Well, if you think about, all right, let's say he had to go to 1000 to get someone who would die. Like if he went back to where cavemen and he took them out and he, a caveman might die if he went to 1700 because he'd be so mind blown, right? But then the caveman goes back to his present day and goes, how far would he have to go back to get someone from in the past, bring him back to present day to where the technological difference, it blows my mind so much that I might die. It's almost like probably 100,000 years at that point, right? So how fast is technology increasing? Someone, if you think about it like this, where even something that you can conceptualize with current day technology, Back to the Future, the movie, was made in the 80s. They went back to 1940, and it wasn't so big of a difference that they would die, right? But someone in the 1980s coming to 2020, I mean, that was that's a lot more shocking of a difference because they don't even know what the fucking internet is in 1980. That's true. You know? So... Yeah, I mean, techno technology is evolving at so fast a pace, you can't really predict it. And I think the things that I'm observing with the blockchain technology specifically, Bitcoin's here to stay, it's for sure going to the fucking moon. Ethereum, it's smart contracts, it's here to fucking stay. NFTs, definitely here to stay. Now, the coins that I've invested in for NFTs, not sure if they're here to stay, but hopefully they are because I want to 20X my money, not in the next five years, but in the next like five months or some shit, you know? Hey, at the, at the least, it'll, it'll, you'll make some gains. Yeah. <laughs> in the short term, but longer term. Like you said, I definitely think Bitcoin, that's the, that's the one and Ethereum seem to be like the two top dogs. Yeah, I'll be honest, I've made more money on Ethereum than I have on Bitcoin and I have less really? money in Ethereum right now. Um, cause I, I started investing at the end of March, you know, so I got into Ethereum when I was like 1800, I think and now it's at like 2100 per Ethereum coin. But, uh, you know, I've probably made a few hundred bucks on that, you know, cause I haven't put a lot of money into crypto, but 
enough to show my that I'm interested in it for sure. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to treat it like a second savings account that actually just makes me money faster. And maybe when it gains more mainstream, um, I will start putting more of my money into there, like a bigger percentage of the pie. You know, that'd be very interesting though. Like once, because uh, like right now, it's like when when by the time it comes for like you to kind of exchange that money or you want to retire or whatever, it's like, are you going to be using that crypto or are you going to be converting it to the U.S. dollar? Ooh. Well, I think right now you'd probably be using the crypto, which probably would take away from the allure because I don't, I honestly, I, I can't even predict what, what would happen. Maybe you would be just trading crypto, crypto with each other. Right. Cause I, that's ultimately like why many people are going into crypto because the dollar is losing its significance. So that would be like downgrading. Right. Uh, I think, I guess the way I'm thinking about it might be too short term is like, I'm, I'm imagining a future where I have so much Bitcoin, but the value of that translates to a lot more USD going in that direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of like what happened with the first Bitcoin boom. Yeah. And that's already something that's already happened. So it's like, will that happen again in the future? Ooh, that's a good ass question. I, I don't know. I would have to bring on a crypto expert and I would, I would love to go deep because I think before I couldn't even talk about cryptocurrency with someone because I didn't even know what questions to ask. You know, now I just listened to someone on a podcast and he explained it in a way that light bulb moment, this is what it is. And the light bulb moment for me was just thinking of it as a second savings account that actually makes me money because this is here to stay, you know, and for all the reasons why he talks about, there's no, it can't, it's too big to fail at this point, right? It's a, it's a snowball rolling down the hill. And uh, the, the U.S. government is trying its might to fucking put it to a stop. But they I think it's going to be too little to don't short. they hold like a pretty big percentage of crypto. <laughs> I heard that. I heard they have like the largest one of the largest storeholds of it, you know, because they they've confiscated it from, from enough people. criminals. Yeah. Are people just on the dark web just buying shit? Yeah. Well, if the, if the U.S. government itself is also betting against its own dollar, what do you think about that? <laughs> like, Maybe that's why they feel comfortable just printing money. They're just like, fuck it. The system's going down. I mean, they probably doing it on purpose because they want people to go towards crypto because they got most of it. You know, that could be a thing. Who knows? Dude, I don't know. How long have we been going? Okay, well, let's call it there. Um, look forward to next Wednesday because, like we said, we got the portal expert who apparently now also might also know some things about Bigfoot. I'm slightly a little skeptical, but I am very open-minded, so I will give him the respect and I will ask him the right questions. So tune in next Wednesday. The very few people. Here's the thing. I, I might think that we don't have a lot of viewers because we got a few hundred subscribers at this point, but I'm like we're we're going up over time, not down. It's like crypto, right? And the people who do come on, even on our last fucking podcast, they're leaving comments that are just like saying, keep going. This is great. I fucking love this topic. And they're elaborating on these topics. And I'm like, yo, motivation that this is like just the beginning for this podcast. So next Wednesday, whoever's coming, come. It's going to be a party and we going to get it. Hashtag Realm Relentless. Peace.